Dr. Medea here for this week's edition of Fixing Healthcare from the Trenches. I have the utmost uh, pleasure to actually invite a guest today who is from the trenches, I mean, the real trenches of healthcare and the, the financial part, who will explain to you the challenges uh, that physicians, and I, I'm going to put it right out there that it's not so much me, and I'll explain why, but the vast majority of my colleagues uh, here and even abroad. Uh, anywhere where there's um, either government control of healthcare or private insurance, the challenges we face. Uh, Tina Rodriguez has been in healthcare in uh, building and collections for uh, over a quarter century. She's been with us at Badia Hampton Shoulder Center for uh, 14 years. She also helps consult with uh, building issues in uh, on OrthoNow, which is a platform that will soon be going national uh, and international. Uh, so she's worked for a, a variety of uh, of you know providers, and she'll be able to give us some insight as to what the problems are. So, Tina, welcome, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you for having me on a different aspect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we we uh, this this is a, a great change because uh, last uh, week, uh, well, two weeks ago, we had uh, Dr. Robert Pearl, who uh, headed the the Permanente Group, the physician arm of the Kaiser uh, Permanente uh, System uh, in California, a widely lauded system. Uh, and he was uh, in charge of 12,000 physicians, okay? Mm -hmm. And now we have somebody, Tina Rodriguez, in, in the trenches with, with one doctor, namely me, but she's going to give you a great perspective. So, Tina, tell us what, share with us what the, the major problems are. So, one of the major problems is, first of all, getting the patient here initially. Yes. On time to the proper provider. Right. Get it done one time the correct way, the, the correct time, and get them in be treated. Right, not multiple steps, yes, right? Which is what steps. the majority of people actually. Point eight. Yep. Yep. And that was the goal of work though now, mm -hmm. of course. So yes. Um a lot of the things that I face is when we're calling the insurance and we're asking the insurance, you know, we're calling for status, we're calling for, you know, have you received the claim, whatever the case may be. Um we're told that, no, there's no claim on file. We haven't received the claim. I've even had EOBs in front of me where they said that they haven't received the claim and I have the EOB in front of me where they so have paid. The EOB is this, this medical lingo, which even I, I would say most clinicians don't even fully understand it, but that is an explanation of benefits. benefits. And many patients know, because I know I get them at home, all right, from our current insurance, which is Humana. We've had here a Blue Cross. We've mm -hmm. had United Healthcare. They're all the same. They purposely make it so you don't understand it, okay? Except Tina understands it. That's why I'm so glad she's on our team. But uh, it, it's it's usually a three or four page document, which mm -hmm. in my case, at the end, basically many times states I didn't get paid a red cent or a minimal amount. But the patients get it, and I think they don't understand it. And what what are the confusing parts of that uh, EOB for for patients? Um, understanding how that the explanation of benefits reads. Yeah. Because on the corner, they get like a little code or a number, and then they have to go down to the bottom of the explanation of benefits to see what it is. Mm -hmm. And by that explanation, the patient doesn't understand what that means. Right. So because I don't either. Yeah. They don't understand what it means. They don't I, I asked Tina. They don't and understand Maria. their policy, yes. which is a big thing. Yeah. When they obtain right. a policy, they're not explained right. what the insurance doesn't cover. Right. Um, they're not explained very well. They're not explained that they have an MNRP in their policy, which is a maximum non-network reimbursement plan. 
that <laughs> I see I don't even understand that. Yeah. You know, you build when you're out of network, you build the right. insurance and there's they tell the patients, oh, we cover a hundred percent. Nothing is covered at a hundred percent. Yeah, of course. Nothing of course. is covered at a hundred percent. So let's clarify that. I am mm-hmm. what they call out of network. And my gosh, if I could entice my colleagues out there listening to make that jump and go out of network. Why, why should Blue Cross or, or, or United Healthcare determine what we get paid? They didn't go to school and training on average 12 to 14 years post high school to do what we do. And, and yet, you know, look, look at what the, um, I was looking up yesterday, in fact, Walgreens, a, the chief executive, uh, a, 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 a very astute lady, made $58 million last year, um, in, including the, the, the perks. And uh, I think the United Healthcare uh, guy is, uh, I mean, one of them is in, in excess of uh, 150 million. So the, the point being is that when you're in network, the insurance company can really decide what you're worth. And uh, I don't know of any other profession that way. Certainly my lawyer decides what they charge hourly, the, my accountant, uh, even my jet ski mechanic. Okay. And uh, this is where physicians need to, to really stand together. So um, so what, what is the difference with, with in-network and out-of-network? Well, in-network, you have to go to a provider that is within their network. You don't have the flexibility and the, and the want to go to a provider that you want to see. Right. Because you've either been told, you've either been told that's a good provider, he's, you know, fantastic in orthopedics or in heart or in whatever it may be. You have to go to where your insurance is telling you to go. Right. Right. That's the difference between in-network and out-of-network. Right. And at a network, you have the freedom of seeing whatever provider you choose to go see. So that means for your primary care physician, if you're very comfortable and they, for some reason, mm-hmm. are not no longer in that network, you can't see that person who's been treating you for years. Or say you have a very, uh, I don't know, your child has a very uh, specific problem. I don't know, uh, an eye issue. And you need to see a pediatric ophthalmologist. Mm-hmm. I mean, you should you should see the person you really want to see. Okay. I mean, we don't. You know, we don't mind spending money on on, on on certain luxuries, other things. And yet when it comes to healthcare, I can tell you from our, our own office, right? When people call the second they hear, oh, oh, you don't take my insurance. That's the biggest phrase we hear. Well, it, that's actually not true. What I what I like to tell people is no, they they don't give it. It's right. not that we don't take it. Because we nobody in the right mind would take it to be paid. What what are some examples of things that Oh, if, for example, if you take Medicare, Medicare pays $13 to $17 for an x-ray. Um, <laughs> My x-ray machine costs a quarter million dollars. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 everyone knows I tend to be very cutting edge, so I think it's worth it. But it's hard to make up $250,000 x-ray when you get paid $17 for an x-ray, right? So Medicare's fee schedule is already very low and minimal. Right. So when you go in network and you sign a contract with that insurance carrier, you're signing a contract that they're going to pay you on a percentage of right. Medicare rates. And you usually less than Medicare. Usually right? less. So, they yeah, want so, to go less. Right. 90% of Medicare, 95% of Medicare, which is very low. Very low. I mean, because even it's Medicare, I mean, I think most clinicians, myself included, uh, uh, still work with Medicare because we want to take care of our, our, our the older sector of our society, which I'll be joining in some years. And uh, the, the reality is that we, we realize that it doesn't, reimbursed very well. But, you know, physicians, uh, that's the problem is that the the insurance companies often prey on our altruism. Mm-hmm. So it's okay when we do that with our, our senior citizens, but for an insurance company to now base their payment 
on what the federal government dictates for older patients. When you think about it, it's an absurd concept. I, I thought that these companies were private. In fact, the problem is that they answer to investors on Wall Street. And I think we, we saw all the problems uh, with Wall Street some years ago and last week with banks. So we have uh, our insurance companies, which, you know, tout the fact that they take care of us. And we know they don't. Who takes care of us is our physicians, our nurses, our technicians, our staff members who keep offices running and, and keep the lights on uh, with with uh, with reimbursements. So so what are some of the other problems, Tina? Um, when you get a, an explanation of benefits and you don't get paid properly, you have to do either a reconsideration or an appeal. Yeah. You do that. It's legwork. Yeah. You have to call the insurance company. Yeah, you meaning you, you and, and Maria. Yes. We have. So we have two full-time mm -hmm. excellent employees for one, physician. one physician. So think about that. Think about my overhead. <laughs> you know? It's the tediousness that's involved right. in all of that. Right. It's very tedious. You're on yeah. the phone. You're on hold for an hour. They come on, they help you with one or two patients, and they put you back in the queue, which means you have another hour now to hold to get another one or two patients done. It's absurd. It's absurd. It really is. Yeah. It's very absurd. And then when you send that appeal or you send that reconsideration, the another explanation of benefits comes back saying, oh, duplicate. It's duplicate. No, it's not duplicate. It's a reconsideration or an appeal. So Maria has to get back on the phone, look in your system. It's tedious legwork on the same patient multiple times. Now, haven't somebody... Uh... The, uh, the the workers at insurance companies actually kind of come out, you know, kind of sound like a Grisham novel where you know, you know, the 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 CEOs of these companies can be chasing them down the highway and running them off the road. But they've admitted some of these people have admitted that that they take these claims, you know, and I hate these words because to me this represents my work for taking care of a patient, and that these claims are um, a certain percentage of them, right, are automatically denied. Yes. Because they figure not everyone has a great team like you and, and Maria to, to chase down something that we deserve to be paid, right? You know, in all the seminars that I've been to, one of the biggest things is no claim on file. Right, right. That's a common even thing. The, I hear you saying the, that. Yeah. Yes, even the person who's heading the seminar says this is the biggest complaint, no claim on file. How do you have no claim on file when you have this have had the same address for 20 years right. and you don't have the claims? Where yeah, are they going? Yeah, yeah. It, 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 they, they go into, well, you know where they're at? They're with that black sock that when I do the wash, I always seem to lose one sock because it goes <laughs> it goes into the fourth dimension. <laughs> and, and it, 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 you know, United Healthcare has, uh, I think it's, it's over 250,000 employees nationwide. Mm -hmm. So why can't they, you know, get their S together to, uh, to to make sure that these claims aren't lost. I mean, nowadays there's no excuse there with no computer excuse. systems. Mm -hmm. Away. I mean, this is not. No, nope. we right. can email them. We can, you know, yeah. whatever it takes to get you that claim to get it paid and get it paid properly, which is the biggest fight. Um, we get duplicate. We get timely filing also because now they have to put a timely filing on there because right? mm. after they say it's been duplicated ten times, well now they go to oh you didn't submit it on time. <laughs> yeah, we sure did. So now we got to send proof of filing. Proof so I know I'm hoping those of you who are watching, so so physicians watching, you 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 know this, but share this with share these ideas or, or just share it. It's only a it's only a fifteen minute podcast. Share this with uh, the public. I mean, yes, I think most of the people who are watching still are physicians. That's not the goal of this podcast. The goal of this podcast is for the American public to understand why our healthcare system 
is now 20% of our GDP, our gross domestic product. One out of every $5 okay, goes to healthcare. And the recent markers show that we are way behind the, the majority of the industrialized world in markers such as infant mortality, uh, uh, age, uh, uh, BMI, uh, a lot of markers that show health. And it's because the system, um, there's great physicians, there's great medicine here, but medicine is different than healthcare. Healthcare is how you access it and the care. And what Tina's explaining is that it, it, it's just the system can't work like this. No, it, it can't work like this. So, um, what about um, the fact that that a lot of times they'll claim that I'm doing something experimental? That's another. Oh yeah, that's my big one. <laughs> that's my big one. That's um, on a uh, lot of your unlisted codes. Right, because because what the public needs to know is that when I do say a surgery, let's forget office visits and um, a surgery. There is a code associated, but as you imagine, not all surgery could be uh, pigeonholed into certain numbers, right? There are some things I do that are are, are are vastly different. And in fact, there's some things I do that are a little more cutting edge and the billing people haven't really caught mm -hmm. up with it, mm -mm. right? But they're not experimental. Well, workers' comp is three to four years behind. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. so I'll, I'll give you one example. I, um, I've been doing arthroscopy at the base of the thumb. Anybody who knows me, for almost 30 years. So it means I put a little scope for an arthritic joint and there is no code for that. Mm -hmm. So every time I do that, right, it's it's tough, it's tough to get reimbursed mm -hmm. because it doesn't matter what I do, how long I took it, the expertise, what and how, and how it positively affects a patient. All that matters now are these silly codes. So and they want to go buy a book. Yeah, the uh, the CPT the CPT book, correct? That's a question. I think someone is asking a question on how you can come see Dr. Padilla as a patient if you're not part of the network. <laughs> the only way we can do that would be to have you come in as a self-pay patient. Right. We can work with you as a self-pay patient. You can We can provide you with receipts, with statements, with anything that you need to try to submit on your own behalf to your insurance carrier. Um, and explain to them as the patient why you wanted to go see Dr. Badia and why you wanted to come to a world-renowned right. specialist. Because there's a particular procedure, perhaps, that mm -hmm. I do. I mean, these are not... That another provider yeah. will not do yeah. or does not Well, do. I think the ultimate answer to that question is that patients have to decide what their priorities are. And I understand, that in, you know, now the, the economy is, you know, tougher. But I can tell you a few years ago when the economy was not so tough, it was the same thing. Uh, the public is conditioned now to... Uh, to, to say the first thing is, do you take my insurance? And the answer always is no. And and the reason being is that anybody who really looks and, and has somebody on staff like like Tina and Maria, who, who does more of the collections, uh, when they tell me how many things were not paid for, at that point, 10 years ago, I decided to go out of network. And I would be, you know, it would behoove anybody, any clinician who's listening to look at that. Yes, you will see less patients. And guess what? You will have a more pleasant experience with your patients. You'll have time to ask them how uh, how the family is, what their what their hobbies are, and really bond with the patient and spend more time with them. The reason patients complain nowadays about doctors being, you know, not spending time is they simply cannot. When you're getting paid for a follow up visit, what in network a follow up visit for well, one hundred and twelve dollars, yep, ninety seven dollars, so depending you, on the carrier. When you think you know that you're only you know, let's say you're real fast. And you're seeing every, a patient every 15 minutes. All right, that's 400 bucks an hour. But you have to think about the overhead. 
Tina's one of eight employees, full-time employees we have. And then, and then there's malpractice insurance, which I still carry that, that, that may change in the future. Uh, there's, there's the, um, there's the overhead of the actual office, all the technology we have, mm-hmm. the supplies. I mean, it goes on and on. Um, so when you when you look at what we're paid, I mentioned my jet ski mechanic. But well, my jet ski mechanic, his overhead is are his tools and his van. Okay, that's that's their overhead. And when you come to a physician, the overhead is really is the the expenses are astronomical. So when you think. A hundred dollars, hey, maybe that's not so bad. You know, it wouldn't be that bad if I didn't have that many expenses, exactly. right? <laughs> but that four hundred an hour is still about what my uh, my mechanic makes. So, uh, so yes. Tina, we would love to uh, give get some uh, feedback from you on what couple initiatives. Typically, I ask for three initiatives, but give us what you have, and then I'm going to go with my initiatives that could really vastly uh, improve healthcare in the U.S. Well, um, I mentioned it before. I think a big one is educating the patients, yes. educating them on how they can do what they need to do to see the correct provider, educate them on their actual policy, their in-network, their out-of-network so that they understand um, their own policy because a lot of times they don't. They need to understand what their insurance covers, what their insurance okay. doesn't cover. Um, and I think getting them to the right physician on time makes a big difference in payments. Okay. You can avoid so much middle okay. thing. You know, the insurance loves to so have. Is there a number three? Treatment. Yep. Oh, of course. Conservative, um, conservative treatment when yeah. when you, when, it, when it's something we know from the get go won't work. Yeah. Number three, so I can get. Um, I think just knowing yourself as a patient and knowing what you want for your own self and for your family, just get out there and help us spread the word. Spread the word. So my three are uh, actually in line with yours. Uh, first one is right clinician at the right time. Mm-hmm. That saves a lot of money and obviously it minimizes mistakes. You, you know, I'm an orthopedic surgeon. Believe me, I haven't examined the, the spine in, in, in 25 years. So you, you want to see the right specialist. Um, I believe in oversight, not authorization, right? Because every time you have to authorize something, it's another hurdle which delays care and actually paradoxically increases cost. If that's the one thing the insurance industry could listen to us clinicians, it, it, for me, it would be that. And then the third one is public education, as you yes. mentioned. What we're doing here with the podcast, with the uh, the book I wrote, Healthcare from the Trenches, you can uh, you can find that on the uh, on, on my website, uh, drbadia.com, or the book website is simply Healthcare from the Trenches, where you can also uh, get information about this podcast, see previous episodes, and uh, please subscribe uh, to YouTube. And also, um, we're on Apple Podcast, we're on uh, Spotify, we're on iHeartMedia, so we are. For those of you who like to listen to podcasts when you're driving or when you're at the at the gym on the treadmill, these are only anywhere from 15 to 20 minutes. So any parting words, Tina? Come see us. Come see Dr. Badia. He's <laughs> okay. world-renowned. He's a wonderful physician. Well, that, that's and... my mom's plug. Come on. That, that's it. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> Thank we, we, you hope, uh, we hope people don't need us, but if they do, please understand the process and uh, and support the uh, support the medical community. Yes. Thank you. Thank you.